0: Hope you're all having a great Wednesday or whatever day you're picking us up here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. This is the Hump Day edition of it, your only place to get daily Syracuse podcasts. And as always, we are brought to you by Built Bar. Be sure to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get $10 off your first order. BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, $10 off your first order. On today's program, we have one of our good friends, Matthew Gutierrez from The Athletic, who will be joining us. We're gonna talk a lot of things recruiting, the future of Syracuse basketball, and dive into a little bit of Joe Girard stuff. He's been putting out some great content during this quarantine period. So without further ado, let's get to Matthew Gutierrez. On the phone now, we've got a man who we love to have on this podcast. I think this is actually the first time all three of us have done this together. Yep. But it's Matthew Gutierrez from The Athletic. Matthew, thanks so much for hopping on. I don't think we've spoken to you since sports have been canceled. And that kind of goes to show how long it was. I think we last had you on around the ACC tournament. But thanks so much for hopping on. How are you and the family doing right now with everything going on?
1: Yeah, it's been a few months. We're we're good. Grateful that we're in a good spot. I'm with uh, some family in Florida where, you know, things are – a little bit eased, and the situation wasn't nearly as bad as some other spots. So we're we're grateful, uh, you know, to be healthy and safe. I appreciate you asking, and always a pleasure to chat with you guys. Excited to to do this on a, on a great platform too, Uber Conference. Right, <laughs> it's cool. zoom, <guys. laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's right? but it's, a yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just bought some well, Uber up. stock. Actually, uh, they they got some diversified, and I know they're, they're with food uh-huh. and and self and driverless. Uh, cars and I think they're they're in, they're in for the long run. But uh, yeah, a lot of zooms, a lot of Uber conferences, Facetimes, texts, just like you know all the all the sports world.
2: One of the few things that stock up right now, I'd say. But I'm I'm happy I got the invite this time to join you guys. And you know I know you've been doing some golf down there, Goody. Maybe soon we'll be able to get the three of us on a golf course soon and get back to normal here.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. It's a uh, it's a great sport. I know MJ's a, a fan as well, and yeah, let's, we'll get together. When things are safe, you know, we'll probably get into it a little bit. I know you guys have touched on it, but I, I don't know how maybe a little bit of a window this summer, and I, I think we might have to be looking at summer 2021 for our for our reunion. But I'm not complaining about the, the Sunday afternoon charity golf events, great causes. We saw one last Sunday, and uh, one, one coming up this Sunday as well, right, where they're raising yeah. money. And good exposure. I think you know, skewing relatively young with some of the players uh, or some big names next weekend, and I think good good for the game overall.
0: Well, when the three of us get together, we'll be sure to have MJ level stakes on the line as well. Um, (laughs) So you've been busy during this entire quarantine period, grinding out stories. You did a Q and A yesterday too. So uh, let's start with this story about the recruiting cycle and Jim Boeheim's view of the upcoming basketball season. I think the question right now that's on everyone's mind is the roster that is currently in place. The one that we will see take the floor next year. Is there another ad coming or not? So to you, I ask what is, what does your gut tell you? Will there be a new player added between now and whenever they take the carrier dome floor?
1: Yeah, good. Uh, Uh, save there at the end, right? Whenever that does happen, we don't don't have the time to (laughs) be in November. Who knows? But, you know, I think my gut tells me that we're probably, what they have now is what what we're going to see on the court uh, with 11 scholarships. That's generally been uh, where they fit. And, you know, based on what Behan has has, uh, told me in the past couple of weeks, they're not in a a rush or any need really to, to add another guy. Now, it doesn't mean they might, Make one more addition at the five, uh, but as far as impact players for next season, what they have on the what they have on the roster is what is what they have right now. So I don't think it's going to change. Uh, they don't normally play more than seven or eight guys anyway. So adding other scholarship players is basically just leaving more reason for one or two to leave after the next season, right? So I think he's aware of that. Uh, Beheim is, and, and they're probably going to stick with what they have, right? At least for next season.
2: I feel like the next big question about next season is Alan Griffin and his eligibility. Obviously the new transfer pickup from Illinois, you had some interesting stuff in your article on the athletic about how Beheim was saying maybe he will be able to get a waiver given the situation right now. What would you say are the chances of him suiting up and being eligible to play next season?
1: Yeah, I, I put it at pretty high. I mean, to, to put a number ballpark around 75, 80% even, uh, just given the the pandemic, I think the waiver system already you know is, is, is kind of clueless, right? We don't know who's getting waivers. But I think with the pandemic and and what else, what also helps Griffin's cause in Behan, this is kind of part of Beheim's point is that he's moving closer to home. He's a native of uh, you know sp- generally speaking the New York City area, so closer to a lot closer to Syracuse than. Uh, Illinois out in the Midwest, an area Tyler knows a couple things about, right? And, uh, I think those reasons (laughs) combined will, will probably give him a stronger case than a lot of other players, uh, just going closer to home, uh, for Griffin. If he gets on the floor, he's a big, he's a big plus. You know, he played quite well at Illinois in limited action under 20 minutes a game, but you know, when I spoke with Bayham about him right after the day after he signed when, when Bayham was, uh, first allowed by NCAA rules to speak on on a recruit since he, since he had signed, uh, he, he spoke really highly of Griffin and thought he only needed a few minutes to see his, his numbers and his tape to realize this was a guy who produced quite a bit, shot really well, uh, and someone who did a lot and not a lot of time. So that's, that's encouraging for, for Beheim, who, you know, presumably would slide him at the three in place of Elijah Hughes, where he'd get, he'd get big minutes there.
0: I mean when we talk with guys that are familiar with the Illinois program they rave about this guy he was a fan favorite around there guys in the media thought he was really good and maybe should have gotten some more minutes and you mentioned that Beheim kind of envisions him as the three shooting aside what else does this coaching staff really like about Griffin's game yeah he's-
1: pretty long. He's about 6'5", so he's not quite, and he's a little thinner than Elijah Hughes, so he won't fully uh, fold, fold that same role, but he, he can play the two or the three. He'll probably play most of the time at the three, given Gerard and Boeheim uh, have the one and two locked up. I think they just saw a lot of athleticism in Griffin. He, he can jump. He can run. He'll run the floor. He'll hustle. He plays with a little bit of an edge, too, like Joe Gerard. Uh, you know, this is a team that quieter players, but but Girard and Griffin are probably gonna be the, the voices uh and the guys who maybe get into some some feuds on the court uh here and there is you know if you're Syracuse, you'll probably take that energy as long as there aren't any technical fouls going along with it. And with Griffin and, and Gerard, you know, they both uh, had technical foul issues at times before, uh, but both both have that spark that that I think intangible element I Syracuse saw in, in Griffin they like that. So with the athleticism and the ability to kind of spark without even scoring, Syracuse has a pretty good add here with him at the three.
2: Well, let's play the hypothetical game real quick and think positively and say Griffin does get a waiver cleared or he's eligible to play next season, whenever next season is. What do you think the chances are that Alan Griffin would then become a starter for Syracuse?
1: I think it's, it's really high. Uh, the only other guy who would Start in front of him is probably Quincy, and I'm not sure Beham wants to start him at the kind of in the three range. Quincy's, you know, probably versatile enough. You, you know, he might need to see some practice and see where Quincy's grown, if at all, since last season. There's a few things that need to play out. But if I had a, a bet, you know, similar similar number, right, 75-80% ballpark, that Griff uh, Griffin starts uh, at the three. I think he just fits that well. He's a shooter. They really wanted a shooter there to replace Elijah Hughes. This was a team for all the talk about the shooting, at least kind of in the in the middle of the ACC and, and shooting threes. I and mean, Joe was a little streaky. Um, Buddy was good. Elijah was good, but that was about it. And most teams, high-level teams, have have at least two, three good shooters, right? Some of them have four and five, as, as we've seen time and again with uh, teams exploring the zone in some cases last season. Uh, but – I think Griffin will slide in as a starter at three, given he can just really shoot it and Syracuse needs a shooter to replace Elijah Hughes. So six foot
0: five, how confident is this coaching staff that they're going to be able to survive defensively with a lot of these smaller lineups?
1: Yeah, it's a valid question. The coaching staff uh, has at least publicly is confident that that they will, um, you know, with the zone, it, it mitigates that a little bit more than than man right i mean you'll have joe and buddy up top and then griffin's just a little bit smaller than hughes was and griffin will kind of play that wing area which the past few years the zone has tweaked so much that guy almost becomes a guard uh, up top right the zone is in some ways a three two players have described it and in some cases it becomes almost a four one depending on the offense uh if you look at it from above high enough you can actually see it and sometimes on TV, but sometimes the angle isn't great. It's it's a 3-2 in a lot of ways because teams want to space it and have shooters on the wing. So I think Griffin is fine there size-wise. Uh, and then you can maybe play a little bit bigger with, with something like Quincy and Marek on at the 3-4 for some spurts if you need to, uh, rebounding-wise. I don't think that's a huge issue. I just think the broader point there, Tyler, is the just the defense overall needs to improve, Small, smaller or bigger. Lineup is probably secondary. I think they have a lot, lots to be left desired as far as defensive improvement. One of the worst defensive teams in Boeheim's, uh Twenty plus years playing majority zone. This, the help was not there inside. Buddy and Joe, you know, admittedly didn't get out the shooters quite as much as they did. You know, I think Joe led all ACC freshmen in steals, but steals is not the only defensive metric, uh, as we know. So the defense really needs to improve where Syracuse is not going to improve as a team overall. They can score. Griffin can shoot threes. Quincy and Merrick can produce offensively, but they need to get stops.
0: Back to Goody in just a second, but first I want to tell you about our guys over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, and guess what? It tastes just like a candy bar. That's probably why Tim and I have been so high on it. We used to eat a lot of candy growing up, and now it feels like we are getting that same sweet tooth craving that we had back in the day. And guess what? We're getting great health benefits from it as well. Up to 20 grams of protein, especially if you like the peanut butter brownie bar, like I do, and it's great for a health guy as well. Be sure to go to builtbar.com. You can use the promo code On and you will get ten dollars off your first order. Again, that's builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on for ten dollars off your first order. I remember this past season buddy voluntarily dropped to the back end of the zone in that in that three portion of the two three zone. Is that something that maybe discussed too? Is we can put Allen at the top and then drop Buddy back.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point. It, it could happen. I think it, it'll depend on what Beheim and the coaching staff sees in whatever practices do happen, and and then the fall. Kadari uh, Richmond, Beheim speaks really highly of. We want to probably add him in the mix as uh, a two. He's going to be a good defender. He's athletic. He's quick. He's big. He's strong for for a freshman guard, not even a, still wrapping up high school right now and uh, uh, living in New York City. So he, he's a good addition too, right? He factors into this. There's a couple of different puzzle pieces here. Uh, but your point on, on Buddy is makes sense, right? He could slot to the three at least temporarily, especially if Griffin's going to be a lot quicker. You know, Buddy can maybe use a little bit more instinct at that wing position. Uh, which is such a difficult read for guys. It takes just ask Quincy, right? It takes them so long to to learn when to come out to the wing, when to drop, when to help to the five. Buddy knows all that. He doesn't have the quickness that Griffin does. Maybe Griffin comes up top. So uh, I think we'll. It's too early to tell right now. It's an interesting possibility, though, or at least at least to we'll see that at times, right? Where maybe it's not all the time, but certain sessions and depending on what the other team's trying to do.
2: Whenever we talk about Alan Griffin, my mind kind of goes towards Robert Braswell a little bit. And obviously, you mentioned earlier, Bayheim only plays seven guys, typically. We've already named seven guys when you count Richmond and maybe Garrier is going to be coming off the bench. This is all assuming next year that Griffin gets the waiver. But I know you guys at The Athletic originally reported that he was contemplating transferring. You've written some stuff recently about that. What can you tell us about where Braswell's head is at right now?
1: Yeah, as of right now, uh, just from few conversations and texts, all I know is he's still not a hundred percent on coming back. It's likely he will. Um, that wasn't to stir any, uh, yeah. any, you know, harsh feelings or anything. That was just, you know, he's not a hundred percent likely coming back. I think, you know, it's, it's his his progress and, and status really hinges on on Griffin's waiver, and I think that's part of why he was still not a hundred percent. Right, he, he's just not sure if Griffin's eligible. You know, as great as a role player Braswell could be, being realistic, I don't see any real paths to, to him getting a lot of time. If I, you know, if any, maybe some garbage minutes here and there, a couple of non-conference games, occasional, uh, you know, 10-12 minute spurt uh, here and there. But he's just not going to pl- play a whole lot. And uh, with Griffin in the lineup, right? Because then you have Quincy off the bench, you have Woody Newton, and then you probably need a backup center. And there there's her, there's her eight right so it's tight yeah. and that's not including woody newton woody newton probably needs a little bit more time uh we haven't even, you know i would assume jesse jesse edwards maybe will redshirt maybe he'll slide and back up so there's a few pieces there kind of in the seven eight nine range of the rotation to figure out and i don't know if Braswell fits in there so uh quality player now if griffin is uh, has to sit out. that's a whole new ball game, Braswell probably gets a little bit more time. Don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Don't see his role you know honestly ever being that big here. um he probably as one uh one former player had said to me, probably would be better for his personal growth to go elsewhere to a smaller program where he can possibly you know play big minutes or even start uh It's not a stretch with him, given his athleticism but I, just to be honest, I don't really see a, a, a great path for him that Syracuse playing wise.
0: Goody, how much might the pandemic play a, a role in whether or not we see Robert Braswell? Is he going to look at this pandemic and say, okay, everything right now is so crazy. I just want stability. I want to go back to what I know. I want to go back to Syracuse. Or is do you think that might not really play any sort of factor and he's just going to kind of ride this thing out and maybe think about transferring next season?
1: Yeah, it's a good point. It's difficult to tell right now. I think we're part of why you're still waiting out. It's just we don't know when things are going to reopen. Is everything going to be on time? That's something we're going to see on a bigger scale. I think in the next few months and definitely by next spring, we'll have a huge sample size of where a guy is transferring and where the class of 2020 and 2021 committing. Uh, we've seen some narratives that guys will stay closer to home. Um, I think I've seen a few examples of that, but I'm not sure that. You know, statistically, we can 100% prove that, at least not right now. Uh, it would make sense. But, you know, that that sort of trend uh, will be interesting to play out, see play out. And with Robert, certainly, you know, staying, staying at Syracuse, what he knows, at least for the interim, with so much uncertainty, would make sense. But you could also see him maybe trying to go closer to home or, or realizing through the pandemic that, you know what, college only happens once. Um, this is going to go by really quick. He's already a couple of years into college. He graduated high school in 2018, had to redshirt with some issues in the lower body. So, you know, a career can just go by in a flash and maybe at the same time he's realizing that and that maybe that would lead him to, to go elsewhere and play at a smaller school. So don't know, too early to tell, but the, your point there is it's a fascinating one that I think we'll, we'll see in all, you know, especially basketball and all of college football in the next few months it be interesting to see that
2: let's get into recruiting a little bit I wanted to ask you about Chance Westry and I know you guys were kind of reporting that there was a lot of interest there around the time that Dior committed obviously another 2022 guard very highly rated guard and someone that would be a big ad for Syracuse haven't really heard much from him lately there's been a lot of crystal balls out there initially that he was going to Syracuse should fans be concerned at all or is this just i mean he is in the 2022 class so there's still plenty of time there obviously
1: yeah a lot of time with westry really interesting situation i don't know a ton about it wish wish we did right um yeah. he was supposed to commit with dior johnson the same the same time from from what i know and dior wanted to commit kind of the both of them i don't know if the announcement was supposed to be uh you know both of them in the same you know graphics so to speak right literally the same time or he just met vaguely the same weekend dior committed on a friday afternoon slash friday evening well, you know i think he was west coast at the time but and maybe chance was going to be that weekend uh so that the, the fact that we're now almost memorial day it's been three months a little over three months since dior uh, committed to Syracuse, it was it was quote unquote bye week, right? Syracuse only had the games on the weekends. Uh, at that that stretch kind of interrupted that quiet week. A monumental commitment. Chance would have made that even bigger, just given he's another highly rated guard in that class. He's really good with the ball. Would, would complement DiOr so well, uh, and probably has a greater chance of playing college basketball than than DiOr does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know what to, but to answer your question, I don't, I don't really know uh, if it's good or bad, right? It could just be he's holding off. He's gotten a number of offers since, since that was supposed to happen. Uh, that could not be a good sign, but at the same, you know, at the same time, it could just be he wants to, to space out a little bit and enjoy, enjoy being a kid and, and not commit right away. So, don't have a lot of info there. It's going to be interesting to watch what, what Westry does because he was a, you know, he's been on their radar for, for quite some time. One of the, the first high majors to go after Westry was, was Syracuse, and Jerry McNamara has spotted him before before a lot of other schools did.
0: Goody, we'll get to the class of 2021 in a second, but the class of 2022 is certainly the one that everyone's all excited about because of Dior Johnson. In your opinion, and Tim and I have been skeptical about whether or not he will actually suit up for the Orange but we still think that regardless of whether he comes or not, it will be a good thing for Syracuse basketball. Do you expect to see Dior Johnson play for the Syracuse orange?
1: That's a, that's a difficult question. Uh, okay. yeah, I don't know. We're, we're we're basically two years away from him graduating high school, assuming he doesn't reclassify. That's probably a slim chance. He's, he's younger, uh, on the younger end for his class. He just turned 16 a couple months ago. he, Going to Oak Hill now, and like you guys said, that's a great point, and I think Syracuse fans could, could probably hear that. Whether he ends up at Syracuse or not, his commitment is landmark, and he will probably be a de facto recruiter and get at least one or two high-profile guys in that class. So if he doesn't show up, other talent will uh, close to his – maybe not at his level, but close to his level. So that's probably foremost. You know, so much is going to change, so I'd probably be better – given a hard yes or hard no. And and a little bit later, Uh, I don't want to speculate too much and and give it what, um, you know, listeners might, you know, take my answer and, and uh, post it somewhere. Right. (laughs) That's how that, that's why twenty twenty. No, no. So, you know, easiest answer I would say is we'll just wait and see. The G league is becoming an enticing option, better pay, better perks. Guys really want to go that route. Uh, you know, it would make sense if Dior did as well. The talent is definitely there. He's a, he's an NBA player, future NBA guard. That's, there's no real question there. He's arguably, you know, probably the best point guard in all of college, uh, excuse me, maybe in college, if he goes to college, but all of high school basketball right now. Uh, At the same time, you know, he might benefit from going to school for one year. It would be one year, uh, given some guys will be able to you know, possibly make money on their name, image, and, and likeness, and he's a ton of Instagram followers, over 500K, and he'll probably hit hit a million by the time he goes on campus, and that would that would turn out to be a, a nice sum of money, uh, probably in the in the uh, in the, at least the you know the millions. So he would get paid going to Syracuse, assuming all that all that comes to fruition. And then the other idea is that the 2022 NBA draft he'll probably be eligible there so the G League might not even be where he ends up and that's another thing to consider so much to play out in the next two years and on top of all that we have a pandemic right now
2: yeah every time Tyler and I talk about class of 2022 I'm like I haven't even it feels like the last three months have been a year so I don't even know <laughs> when we're going to get there that feels so far in the in the distant future 2021-wise, Benny Williams seems to be kind of the guy that everyone in the Syracuse staff is after right now. What would he bring to the table if Syracuse could grab him in 2021?
1: Yeah, Benny, you know, down to four schools. Uh, He's uh, wrapping up his junior year of high school. He's a longer, uh, versatile, forward, ideal kind of guy for the 2-3. You know, a little long, right, lean, lean body, could, He'd probably bulk up a little bit strength-wise, but can shoot a little bit, get to the rim, run the floor, defend, dunk. He's a good player. I think Syracuse thinks pretty highly of him. They want him to really anchor that class. They have no commitments right now in the 2021 class. He would be the first. From what I've heard, he's Syracuse is very much a good contender. You know, arguably a favorite right now. It's tough to tell that when it's only four schools and two of them are in his backyard. So uh, Maryland and Georgetown will will be, uh, you know, definitely be options there. Although what's happened at Georgetown recently probably doesn't, doesn't help them. Maryland's been a great program. They were fantastic last season and would have been fun to see what they did uh, in the NCAA tournament. So that's an option for him too. Uh, but if he were to go to Syracuse, I think it's a, it's a very strong possibility. Uh, he would anchor that class and, and really be a good scorer, probably play right away in, in the fall of 2021. Uh, right before Dior arrives so he would certainly be a, a big plus and he's he's highly rated on, on most of the sites
0: when you look at the offers that Syracuse has put out all this of course according to 24-7 there may be some other offers out there that we don't know about but according to 24-7 they've got one offer out to a guard and everything else everyone is a three or bigger when You look at that, and obviously a big man has been a priority for this team, whether it's been in the late stages of recruiting for the class of 2020, whether it's trying to get a transfer, grad transfer, something of that sort. Big man has been the focus. Who are some of the bigs that you think Syracuse maybe doesn't have an inside track gap, but they really like and they like the prospects of them maybe joining this team in 2021?
1: Yeah, there's a few. Uh, I do want to jump, you know, real quick, not to a- exactly answer your question, but in the 2022 class, and, you know, it's a far away, but we'll have something soon on, on one of the players in that class, and uh, Donovan Klingon. He's a seven foot one big man from uh, Bristol, Connecticut, and he, you know, Syracuse really likes his game, the first Division One school to even offer him last august uh, and he's picked up some some major heat on the recruiting trail lately with northeast schools and i think he'll be uh you know he might be hearing from some some big time programs soon given he can it's rare that someone his his size seven foot one can shoot and be pretty mobile at at just 16 years old so that that is a good sign for his game and you know you could project to be a big time college player um he, he's probably number one, to, to be honest with you guys, at the big position. I put him up there, um, as much as anyone. He's a priority for Syracuse for sure. Uh, and he was, again, he's their, Syracuse was his first offer, which is a, which is, tends to be, uh, tends to work in the team's favor, uh, quite a bit. 2021 wise, I think still I just wanted to focus on Brandon Williams. He's a, he's a guy that they really want to, to start that class. They have some some youth at center, so down the line. Uh they'll have options, I think, assuming Jesse Edwards can can progress. He's probably the highest ceiling of any of the bigs on the on the roster. And then I, I do think I would keep an eye out for a transfer either this year or next off season at the five. Syracuse went after a few, as we've talked about, and as we know, this past season or past quarantine season, it feels like a, a whole off season. Didn't didn't get them, including Patrick Tappe and actually a few other names, but he he was probably the, the best chance that they had uh, at the five as a grad transfer. So I think that is probably more likely than, than any big in the 2020 or 2021 class, someone who can come in with some experience and get in right away. Goody, before
2: we let you go, I did want to ask you about Joe Girard. He had a really good article out recently on kind of the staff's plan for his growth going into next season. Obviously, he's going to be someone that has to carry a lot of the load scoring wise and really everything next year. What did the coaching staff tell you in regards to him? And what did he even tell you personally about where he wants to improve in his game?
1: Yeah, Joe's uh, going to be a huge piece for next season, right? He's the point guard and he's the one, right? I asked him, I know some fans have said he might fit better at the two, but he, he said he's the, He's the point guard and he's gonna be the point guard for the next two or three years. He he wants to play the one. Bayheim loves him at the one. Um he's you know, got some ups and downs for sure this season, right? His shooting was, was streaky. He was only about thirty-three percent, which is which is fine. He's a volume shooter. He's probably not never gonna shoot forty percent. Uh he could, but I don't I don't see that. I thought he's probably a lot a lot more likely to make those strides. Given he has the ball in his hands so much, Joe Joe's probably gonna shoot a little bit less. It doesn't mean he can't be effective. I think Based on our conversation, you know, he, he knows he needs to improve defensively a little bit, uh, needs to, you know, continue to minimize turnovers, although he was pretty good there. He had, a you know, quietly a very good season. He played so you'd expect his numbers to be good or at least okay. But he, he was pretty good for a freshman point guard, uh, you know, with the ball in his hands a ton on a team that, you know, at times didn't have a ton of options offensively. It was a good offense though overall, top 30 in the country, but to, to kind of break it down, basically really needs to improve reading situations. In high school, he was big time ISO player at work for him, scoring 50 a game in college, it did not. You know, he admitted he needs to get a lot better there. Coach McNamara and Beheim told him that uh, he needs to be a little bit more patient. He, he was not effective at all in isolation. And basically he needs to not do that. And he said that, uh, <laughs> just no isolation for him. Uh, Thrived in the high ball screen situation. Syracuse's offense is, you know, probably a high ball screen if I were to count almost once or twice a possession. Uh, no joke, like it is once or twice a possession if you if you were to count it. Um, and he thrived in that situation with the ball in his hands. Pretty good at reading for a freshman: when to dump off, when to hit the wing, when to skip pass, and when to just shoot. Uh, that that's really encouraging. It's hard to defend. It's a simple play, but. College guys can struggle, one to switch and in certain mismatches. Um, Syracuse had a really good four or five. It would be even more lethal. Uh, But considering they didn't really have a lot inside and he was still that effective uh, is a good sign of his game. He was really good going left, too. Uh, I asked him about that. His numbers were so much better shooting and driving left than going right, and he's a natural righty. He said some teams have actually forced him right, even though that's his strong side. I don't think that that was in the piece, but they forced him right. Uh, he's got to get better at shooting to his right, being a little bit more consistent there. Uh, he's a great shooter though. Baham loves loves his ability, natural ability to shoot. So I think if if he can be a little bit better with the shot selection, the numbers will go up, and he can be, you know, probably a 14 or 15 points per game guy as a sophomore, and continue to progress from there. He can be a really good four, three, four year college player.
0: All right, Goody, you're the man. Appreciate the time, and we'll be sure there won't be a two month gap between the next time we talk to you on the podcast. All right.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, there won't be a, hopefully a, a pandemic either. So, but I appreciate yeah, sure. it, guys. Thank you. All right, stay for, safe, uh, Goody, for having me. Stay safe. Get some golf in, and, and knock on wood, we can get sports in a safe, healthy way relatively soon.
0: Always great stuff with Matthew Gutierrez. Again, be sure to check out his work on The Athletic. He has been awesome throughout this pandemic, helping everyone get through it. He's done some Q&As. He's been a part of arranging some stuff with Joe Girard, too. He did a Q&A on The Athletic with fans, so that was really cool to see. And then, of course, the wonderful articles that he puts out for both you and I to enjoy. So, Be sure to subscribe to The Athletic, and then I think you can even put Matthew Gutierrez as one of your favorite writers, so do that as well. On tomorrow's show, we've got another interview to get to. It's another 2021 football commit, Derek McDonald. He has some great stuff for us on tomorrow's show about kind of everything that's gone down with him during the pandemic, all of the stuff that went through his recruiting process, because again, he didn't take a visit to Syracuse, so we will talk to him about all of that stuff and more on tomorrow's podcast. After this one, be sure to check out Chad Ford's big board. That's right, Chad Ford's back. So he's a part of the Locked On Network, so go check him out. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you tomorrow.